I'll stop the signal. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Signal. It's been a couple months since we've released one. Uh, so I've got a special one today. Uh, I think we're going to start out on track and then we're going to get off track. But uh, the unofficial uh, motto of this podcast, as many of you may remember, is that uh, in the upcoming chaos of this world, you should remember to do four things. One is stack sats, one is print gats. And then one is lift weights and one is eat steaks. So we're going to cover one of those today since we've covered many of the others. Uh, well, I guess I don't think we've covered lifting weights, but uh, maybe that'll be another episode. Um, we're going to cover uh, eating steaks. And so I have brought on friend of the show, uh, Jake from Childerberg fame and tasting anarchy fame. Hey, Jake. How you doing? Good. So we uh, have taken uh, a leap into... Uh, securing our food source, uh, you and I recently. Uh, and I figured it would be a good topic to cover because there's for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is food security and one I think is more on the health side, but, um, Jake and I recently, we went to a local rancher in the DFW area and just bought a, a, well, we split a quarter of a cow, you know, with a couple other people, uh, we didn't know them, but they were, they were able to sell us just a quarter. Um, and so Jake and I split that and we've got, uh, a half a quarter each sitting in a deep freezer. Um, we did this, I think Jake, you picked yours up last week, right? Uh, from my house. Um, so what would you say, what would you say your experience has been with, uh, with the state? I mean, we've only had a few meals of it, but, uh, what would you say your experience has been? Excellent. Um, the I we had the the first night I I made some of those uh, Kansas City uh-huh. steaks, which I don't know that cut. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not either. Yeah, um, it tasted great. I think that that cut needed to be marinated a little bit or like tenderized ahead of time, because uh, I just basically thawed it out and made steaks on the stove, which I'm sure people will say is sacrilege, but. I think a really good way to cook steaks, at least in my opinion, is you get a cast iron skillet, you sear each side for about a minute. Well, first you got to cook some onions in there. Then you sear each side uh, in a little bit of that like kind of oniony juice. Mm -hmm. And then once it's seared for about a minute on each side, you stick it in the oven for about four minutes on each side in the cast iron skillet. And so then you you end up getting kind of a nice rare steak. And that that worked out really well. Uh, It was just kind of a tough steak. Yep. So I'm thinking we might use this, those, cause we have several of that cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might, we might either use it for something different or uh, I'll try to pull it out a day early and put it in the fridge with some meat tenderizer or something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, let's, let's go. Uh, uh, cause I want to talk about uh, cooking the steaks uh, as well, but let's go through some of the logistics because I think that this is something okay. for, for, for one like I, I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are listening to this that are hunters um, or have done this before, and it, it seems obvious. I'll say that it it doesn't really it hadn't really dawned on me until really the the price of beef and, and other meat and really everything else has seemed to be very volatile and and volatile yeah. and unfortunately one direction which has been up. That I was talking with Jake and you know I was like, man, I, I feel like I've seen you know because my neighbor has a deep freezer out back and he's got all sorts of shit back there. I was like, I, I need to get a deep freezer. I need to 
buy in bulk. And that got me on this train of thinking, well, I wonder if I can go straight to a rancher for some like high quality meat for a, a relatively low price if I buy in bulk, which kind of led me down this this path. And uh, and I got to say that the process was overall uh really, really solid. Uh, the, the ranchers that we bought from were great people. They delivered to the door. We, we put down what we put down like a hundred dollar deposit basically. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, as soon as that beef was ready, that was sent to the processor, uh, and, um, it's cut, it's cut up and, uh, all of the cuts are put in little vacuum sealed bags. So I just have a freezer full of like vacuum sealed steaks and ground beef. Um, and now, and that ground beef is, we eat a lot of ground beef. Uh-huh. It is really good ground. Beef. It is. It's it's very it's very good. It's it's all of it's high quality. So we got grass fed beef. I think it came out to something like six and a half bucks a pound, which I think we can do better. But that's still pretty good for really high quality. Yeah. Uh, gra- you know, local uh, grass fed beef, and uh, and stocking it up in, in bulk like that. Um, but. Uh, you know, to, to what Jake was saying earlier, we're like the Kansas city cut, we got a bunch of cuts and a lot of them that I wasn't super familiar with because they're a little bit, uh, they're not necessarily popular cuts, but that's kind of the interesting part of buying a cow or a portion of a cow is that you get a bunch of different cuts that you aren't used to. Um, so that's, that's been kind of a interesting experience because I've been making steaks in, in different ways and experimenting with different cuts. Um, and yeah, like Jake said, probably the most, the biggest item that we got was ground beef, which is actually kind of nice, uh, because it's so versatile. So, um, that, you know, that's, it's just easy, easy to make. Um, and, 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 and it's very delicious. So, you know, we put down a deposit at some point two, I don't know, three weeks, maybe a month later. Um, they came and we're pulling a, a trailer with refrigerated, uh, you know, um, uh, like chests, in the back and they had my portion labeled. I came back, they, they unloaded it for me. I paid them and, uh, and you know, Jake came and picked up his portion later, but, uh, it was very easy to deliver to my door and, and again, pretty good price. Uh, and now we have quite a bit of food, um, so that I don't really have to go to the store and buy meat if I don't want to probably until <laughs> February. I mean, ja- January. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Yeah. Uh, like we've we've already eaten two steaks and and then two of those bags of ground beef. Uh huh. Because um, like I said, we eat a lot of ground beef. Um, but I'm like when I look at how much we have, yeah, and how much we've used, I think this is probably going to be well into the first quarter of 2022. Uh huh. Yeah. That sure. we'll still have stuff. And mm-hmm. um, well, you know, and one thing also a point is that it's a, it's a good price. But also, so much stuff is just not available. Right. That's the other kind of weird thing is like, like we were like we went to Kroger the other day, and it's not even like, it's not even like everything is out. It's just weird things are out. Like mm-hmm. they had no coffee one day. It was yeah, yeah. Bizarre. I was like, why? How is there no coffee at all? And and you now granted, it wasn't. There was no coffee. There was no of the coffee that I like, which uh-huh. is this like Texas uh, pecan maple blend or whatever that sounds good but it's it's i try to get things that are from texas Uh even though coffee's not really grown here but Mm -hmm. um i like that particular one and and like the entire that entire brand except for the whole bean and i don't have a coffee grinder i guess i could have used a blender or something but um that whole like section was just empty it was weird and then there was like this is another one i talked to you about was uh like fresh break uh fresh baked bread Uh uh-huh there just wasn't any yeah. 
It was like bizarre. And it's kind of this sort of the whole, this whole sort of uh, idea of starting to try to source things locally is, is starting to get to me a little bit more because it is, it's not, it's not that there's nothing available. It's just the things I want are not always available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're cutting down on the amount of, uh, that you have to rely on these, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes that this whole supply chain thing is just a manufactured thing, but, but nonetheless manufactured or not, the reality is that sometimes things that you want aren't available. And if you're able to locally source, and particularly if you're able to hold for longer periods of time, you can kind of hold through those uh, periods of volatility. This is something that, you know, I, I see a lot of people saying like they want to get a bunch of land and garden, but like how much protein do you really get out? Like how much, like that's a lot of work. I'm not saying don't yeah. do it. Um, I, I, and you know, I, I grow some vegetables and, and things like that, but basically what this took was spending $200 on a chest deep freezer. And now I can store if I wanted to, like Jake, when you came and picked it up, I had all of our stuff in there. And then we split yeah. it 50, 50, I could have held the whole thing in there. And God knows that would have taken me through till March, April, easy. Um, yeah. and like no problem. And I still had a little bit of room in there for some other stuff. So, so like, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, yeah. The garden is all is, is great. And I'm not discouraging that in, in, in any way, shape or form. In fact, I have been thinking about expanding that operation because now like that I have the protein kind of secured. Now it's like, okay, the only thing I find myself going to the, the store for a lot of the times is vegetable is like fresh vegetables. So it'd be nice to have that yeah. on the side. But this is, you know, a really, really cheap way to really secure, you know, to improve your food security. Now, if the power goes out, you know, you've got that whole thing to contend with uh, generator, you, you, you can run through disaster scenarios. But um, yeah, I think that this is a huge step in, in terms of both a convenience, um, health, food security. Um, and probably several other items. I mean, just convenient, you know, not having to go to the, to the store day, you know, every three or four days or, or whatever, um, is just really, really nice. Well, and also an, another thing to just kind of, uh, you know, CPI numbers came out today and beef is one of the things that's included in CPI. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and we had a, a month over month, um, well, if it's annualized, it was over ten percent right uh, inflation, and and if and I'll just read like the last three, well, last four months I'll say. So July we had uh, beef value was uh, I don't know exactly how this is measured, but um, the the July twenty twenty one was uh, three hundred sixty seven ninety six, and then August three seventy four twenty six, and then September three ninety two ten. And then October four oh four thirty one. So it's like it's these sort of and, and the thing is again, this is this is sort of one of those things to kind of think about too, is that when you source locally, yes, you are going to be impacted by national pricing to some degree, but um the availability it and you're not going to be affected. So one of the things that we've found out in looking into this a little bit is that it's not that there's things not available exactly, it's that it's this weird supply chain thing that makes no sense to me. And I kind of think it might be like you said, kind of artificial, but ranchers locally have resorted to selling their cows on Craigslist Mm -hmm. because they can't get their cows sold to the national processor to be processed and sold at Walmart or wherever. And that's kind of the issue is that this stuff is available. And this is another thing that I, I 
just before we got on the call, um, I may have sourced another person who raises pigs. Oh, so yeah. that we could get so that we can get pork as well butchered and um, and also I was thinking that this would be kind of a cool thing for Childeberg is if we did like if we could get uh, maybe Cook Shanty or Rollo or somebody like that to come out and if they wanted to do like a whole pig roast yeah that for might sure. be kind of fun mm-hmm. and then yep. um, but and this guy he's raising he's raising he doesn't have a lot he's got I think I think he said six or eight uh, pigs but it's also it's Texas so maybe you and I'd go out and just take a pig right yeah wild and and do that yeah that would be Um, cool that would be cool yeah but it's kind of like to sort of go back to like the point of like trying to be prepared locally is um you don't always know what's going to come into your area and you don't know and it's you don't really have any control over why a lot of the time either it's there's not a shortage of cows it's just that they're not processing them correctly right that's yeah. the issue. Yeah, and I think that the, there was a lot of there's a lot of that has been in the news. Well, not in the mainstream news, I guess, but it, the local murmurings around Texas is that that's been a big frustration. I guess a lot of the processing plants for the major suppliers are up in like Kansas and yeah. um, you know, the, North, it, I think North Dakota has a bunch of the processing yeah. plants and and so like the the cows get shipped from here in Texas, yep, all the way up to North Dakota, then processed and sent back down here uh-huh. because of weird FDA regulations. Right. So that's Whereas what's been. If you directly buy, you mm-hmm. can just get a butcher to butcher it for you. Yep. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, you're cutting out all sorts of middlemen. Like I said, we got really high grade beef. I think we. I think we can get our price down, especially if we buy more at a time, which I think I. Yeah. I, I'm sure we will because we've already got our local DFW crews already in. I think we're going to get a whole cow the next time. I um, think so because also because Victoria, her Taekwondo guy wants to buy in. Um, I think Dan said he wanted to get some, yeah. and mm-hmm. a couple of other people. We're like, oh, next time you order, let us in on that. Yeah, and I yeah, want to. So if we could get a whole one, that and be I like, want a full quarter you know. next time, if possible, because like I can yeah. fill up my entire. Um, I, I know that I can fit a quarter in because I was holding our our full quarter, uh, yeah, for like a, a few days there. Um, but you know, I think just the 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 importance of understanding that a lot of these things now, I, you know, if you live in Rhode Island, maybe this isn't available to you. I don't know. Um, but, uh, it, particularly in Texas and a lot, I mean, a lot of heartland States, I'm sure, uh, you uh, reach out and it may not be the worst thing to do to reach out to some of your local ranchers and farmers and start developing, you know, some of those relationships with them that way. Uh, I mean, dude, a quarter of a cow can get you through a long time of hard times. Uh, and it really isn't that expensive, uh, to buy up front like that. Um, and you know, the money you're going to save down the road is, is tremendous. And you're going to save yourself a whole lot of heartache. If, uh, you know, the price, if uh, all of a sudden your favorite cuts of steak aren't available, like in the, yeah. in a, in a, in a convenient scenario, you know, that's like a best case scenario, but in a worst case scenario, if it's just not available at all, really, or the price is just very high. Um, you know, right. you can, you can start, you can ride, help ride those waves. And then the other thing that, uh, you know, I've been thinking is, uh, that if you have the capacity to store meat in a deep, in a deep freezer or similar, it gives you the opportunity to then, if you see an, a, a, a deal to take it. And so mm-hmm. maybe if you have a supply for four months and you get two months in and you just see a screaming deal on either, a, you know, an eighth of a cow or a quarter of a cow or a bunch of bacon or, you know, whatever it is, you can pull the trigger and just restock. And, and that's, that's a, a pretty convenient thing uh, to, uh, to, to participate in, um, in times where product is a little bit uncertain. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that um, sort of on that on that sort of same note is like you're not re- not really reselling it or whatever, but yeah, being prepared to be able to store some of your food mm-hmm. is like we've we one of the things we also discuss. I don't know if we're going to do it or not. Not maybe not this time, but um, I used to make jerky. Yeah. Also, so I was thinking about maybe next time trying to figure out the cuts that are appropriate for that. I used to make it out of London broil. That was the, what I always made it out of. So I was thinking about maybe like doing that and then just storing a bunch of dried meat yeah, in case, right. you know, and it's good. It tastes good. Like a, it's a good snack, although it's so, it's so calorie dense and like, because it's dried, you'll eat like way too much. Like I would eat like a whole London broil in a sitting <laughs> once it was jerked. Yeah. <laughs> so actually one of, I had a failed podcast, uh, one of many, that was called The Adventures of Nate and Jake. Mm-hmm. And uh, the very first episode was The Gentleman's Guide to Jerking Your Meat. <laughs> <laughs> and it was because we had made a whole bunch of beef jerky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, uh, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we actually, that Nate and I uh, kind of had like a little mini homestead back then. And we, it took us a while to save up the food to do it, but we lived off of only stuff that we grew ourselves for two months. Wow. And well, that was when you um, had the uh, aquaponics, right? Yes. Yeah. We had fish. So that was yeah. kind of where we got our protein was fish. And I, and I don't like fish. So right. right. like after two months of eating fish that I don't even like <laughs> and pickled tomatoes and things like that, like yeah. I was really sick of it, but <laughs> yeah, it was a good experience because sure. you know, on a quarter of an acre, you can kind of do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so. it's uh it's and you know to to your point that's not an ideal scenario now maybe some people like fish and pickled vegetables i mean i you know it's like i don't dislike that but would i rather have that or would i rather have comfortably have a steak every day yeah, uh, exactly. for, for four months and not worry about it and that the answer right. for me is very clear uh that's yeah. that's far preferable for me um and so yeah. you can for for a very reasonable upfront cost, you can have the ability to, to really ride out those disaster scenarios. Uh, Again, I would say like, obviously power is becomes a weak point because if the power goes out, you could, you have the possibility of losing a lot of food, but that's relatively easily solved with a pretty low power generator. If you really are that concerned about it. Um, I don't really have power issues. The other thing too, is that in Texas, if the power goes out, in all likelihood, it's because of a snowstorm. Um, right. I do, for as bad as regular storms as we get, I've never really lost power from that. I didn't. Re- I didn't lose power during the snowstorm either last year. Or not not for any like like long period of time. But yeah. if the you know in that event, just throw the meat outside and you know. Right. I, th- I think we lost power for like two hours. Mm-hmm. But because I was I during that storm, I was I was concerned that we would lose power. I filled up uh, a bunch of those uh, like large uh, plastic like storage bins. Yeah, not 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 the huge huge ones, but the ones that are kind of small with water. And then I put those outside. And then in the morning, I brought that ice in and put it in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just I was a little bit worried that we would lose power, but we only lost power for like two hours, maybe three hours. Yeah, so it didn't. It wasn't, wasn't a yeah. huge deal. Yeah, it didn't end up being that bad in Fort Worth for to my knowledge. I don't know anybody who really came out too too, too much worse for the wear. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but yeah, so I mean I and and then I think that the broader picture here is that <laughs> everybody knows we're going through some very very strange times and the more that I the more that I kind of watch the world 
happen and the think, you know, kind of think through the various things that could play out. I do think that we're in for a little bit of a war of attrition. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that we're going to be faced with a situation where things get necessarily violent, but I do think it is going to be this war of attrition where, um, you know, if you are positioned to, to hold, to, to like just hold put and, and, and be okay for a while. I think you're going to come out much better on the other side of it. Um, I don't really, I'm not really convinced there's a whole lot of um, offensive strategies that we can employ other than continually defunding the dollar. Uh, And and then, and just making sure that you're good, you're good for as long as you, you know, as long a time horizon uh, within reason as possible. And so, you know, if you are, uh, building up your wealth outside of the state, if you are keeping your your mental and physical health in check, and um, and you know th- this is another piece of that puzzle. If you've got a, a, a long term store of food where you you can ride out some weird times, I think you put yourself in a much better position to ride out whatever the hell this is that we're going to be going through, which I, I think will probably last you know at least a few years, uh, and with intermittent good times, bad times sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's what my dad always says is, is that a man always takes care of himself so that he's available to take care of others. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of, that's the, I think the time that we live in is that we do live, we still live in a very abundant time, but also it's a weird time. It is. It is. So you got to keep you got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to keep your eye like you know, keep your eye on the ball. Keep, uh, try to understand what's happening, what's going to happen, and try to keep yourself in the best position to succeed, whatever that is. And yeah. um, and you know, this is this this was an this was an easy one. I mean, and and, and it's funny because I just never really had thought about it, and uh, and it just you know th- through the the first phases of the real supply you know quote unquote supply chain issues, um that, you know, kind of led me to think about it a little bit more and think about, Hey, how do I, how do I secure this? How do I, you know, uh, close this attack vector a little bit or, or at least, um, diminish it. And, uh, and, you know, I think it's a very viable thing for a lot of people, uh, particularly if you, I mean, maybe it's a little bit less viable if you're in an apartment and you're moving, you know, a lot, that would be probably kind of a pain, uh, and if you don't have enough cash up front, I guess for, to, for the whole thing, then, then that's another issue as well. But, um, it really was going in, but going in half seas with people or yeah, exactly. like you and I did that, that's a good way to break it up. Cause you know, I could have gotten a quarter of a cow on my own. I don't think I had until I put everything in the freezer and realized the space, I, I didn't think I would have enough room for it really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But once it was in there, I was like, oh, this actually doesn't take up as much space as I thought. So, right. If if you would just ha- if you would just have one fridge, a small fridge, even in an apartment or something like that, with like a small normal size refrigerator uh, freezer, mm-hmm. you know you could get a like a sixteenth or whatever of a cow, yeah, yeah, and just sort of pack that away too, and split it with somebody else. I mean, what did you and I totally spend like a thousand bucks something between like that, the two yeah. of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people can if people can kind of divide that up even smaller, just get together with a group of friends to get. Um, to get some and, you know, you're right. It, it is kind of harder to, to store all this sort of stuff. If you like, if you live kind of the apartment life, cause you know, when I, I had the house and we had 
a, like a mini quarter acre homestead kind of thing going on in Virginia Beach. And then I got married and I moved into an apartment and it is very different to live in an apartment than yeah. it is to live in a house. Uh, even if it's a small house, it's, uh, you know, even if like we lived, I think in Dallas, our apartment was like 500 square feet or something like that, mm-hmm. which is small. But even if I had lived in like a 500 square foot house, it, it's a different, there's like, there's just a difference. Yeah, that's um, where that's, that's like my place. I mean, it's pretty small. Yeah. It's 640 square feet, I think, uh, my side, but you know, I can use the space more effectively and, and, uh, right. and more permanently, you know, it, I'm not yeah. worried about having to move or anything like that. So, right. Uh, well, and the other thing too, that is sort of to the same point is that lately, one of the things that, uh, I've been doing is, um, sourcing forage, uh, like forage sites, I guess. And I didn't realize this. The, the only reason this occurred to me is because we were out one day and there's this uh, tree that drops these like large shells that my dogs like to play with. Mm-hmm. And um, they want to, you know, they're, they're Shivas. So they like carry the stuff with them whenever they, they'll pick one up and they just walk the entire walk with like this thing in their mouth. And um, so when we got home, they dropped it and I looked at it and I was like, oh, what? A, I don't know what this is. And then it turned out this is a pecan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's pecan trees all over my neighborhood. They're everywhere. I had no idea. DFW, yeah, my neighborhood. Yeah, DFW is just it's just pecan central. Yep. And so one of the things that I did was we went and, and gathered a few, put them in you know a, a brown paper bag, and just let them dry out and ate some pecans. You know, granted it wasn't a lot, but it's like okay, so I now know where there are a whole bunch of pecan trees in this area. That's a step up that I have about above most people because most people don't really know, and I didn't know what a pecan tree looks like, what a pecan looks like when it drops off the tree, like the the twenty minutes of you know reading about it or whatever, how to dry a pecan, how to like get them available for eating, and speaking of protein source, that's you know nuts are a good a good source of protein. Um, and fortunately, like I grew up in California, Northern California, and we did we eat acorns and stuff up there a little bit. Um, so like, I, I kind of know how to do the acorn mash and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then something else that I learned about recently that is also here in DFW that is apparently the only North American, uh, tropical fruit is a pawpaw. Oh yeah. I didn't know anything about these until a couple months ago. And there are pawpaw groves all over this park over here, this legacy park. And you can go pick up just pawpaws off the ground and eat them. Yeah, they're, and they're really good. They're high calorie. They t- they taste sort of like a, um, like a mango banana kind of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're really good. Yeah, and they're just they're and they're all over the place here, and people don't really know about them. So I think that's another good kind of point to this sort of the same sort of thing is just sort of be aware of your surroundings and what is around you, because you may have forage available that is. Um, local and because of the world that we live in now, a lot of people don't know about it. Like they don't know, they don't know that you can go out and eat a pawpaw. Yeah. I had never even heard of a pop and it's, and it's an indigenous American plant. I had never even heard of one until I saw it and was like, well, I wonder what this thing is. And um, another yeah. one that is, that's in Texas that I also had never heard of was a dewberry. Have you ever had that? No, I don't think I've heard of that. It's basic. It looks exactly like a blackberry. Okay. And it grows very similar to a blackberry, but they grow wild around here. Hmm. Um, but it's like, it's, uh, we have some in our yard actually. They're, um, 
it sort of tastes like a cross between a blackberry and a raspberry. Okay. And they grow more like a raspberry than a blackberry. They don't grow in like large clusters like blackberries. They grow more in like small clusters like a raspberry. But those are all over the place here. And um, and of course, like I said, acorns. Acorns are all of southern live oak. Is oh yeah. Um, you they it produces a whole bunch of acorns. You can't really eat them like right out of the shell. Um, but you there's a, what you can boil them and get the tannic acid out of them, and then they're edible. And then the other the other one is there's not as many of those around here as there are back east, but uh, like in North Carolina and Virginia. But um, a white oak, you can eat the white oak seeds right out of the acorns right out of the shell, and they're sweet. Yeah, yeah, and, and but and there are some around here. There's not many, but there's some. And all of that is uh, much better to be uh, kind of. Um eat consuming if you're also consuming if you also have your kind of your protein your meat taken care of so that it's well yeah exactly yeah and that's the hard that's the hardest thing is is taking care of the meat is like you know where are you going to get that um and i i have right now two of my possible meat in an emergency barking because yes uh, yeah yeah (laughs) they're uh (laughs) although i don't know if i would ever do that (laughs) because i really (laughs) like those dogs but there are one of them is very annoying right now (laughs) Um, so anyway, I think in in summary, I think that's a, I just wanted to bring attention to the fact that that's, that's a, that's an avenue and probably, I would argue probably a superior avenue for securing, uh, for food security, uh, than, than gardening and things like that. Although I, I'm not saying don't do, don't do one or the other. I'm just saying that it's, it's a very easy way to secure a lot of food and food that's going to carry your body through, um, some tough times, whereas maybe like nibbling on, on cucumbers is not, uh, not going to be sufficient for, to, to yeah. power your body for things that you may, may or may not need to do. Um, right, right. so yeah. And, 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 uh, and then you've got obviously the fiscal benefits of being able to dodge volatility and beef prices and meat prices and, and general food prices, um, uh, over the coming months, because who, who knows, who knows what's going to happen there. I, I, well, I don't. I've I got don't. I've got some uh, foresight into food prices. Okay, because I I believe in. Uh, well, I, I don't know if believe in is the correct thing, but I am addicted to gambling the stock market. Uh huh. And um, so one of the thing, one of the inputs for farming is ammonia, mm-hmm. and there is an ammonia shortage currently. Okay, which is related to uh, well, there's also gas prices are up. Oil, crude oil, and ammonia are all very large inputs into food and uh, food production. So if you are counting on getting food from the grocery store and not from someplace locally that doesn't have a lot of those uh, foreign inputs, I, I foreign is not exactly the right word because yeah. this a lot of this stuff is domestic, but it's domestic in the sense of the United States, but it may not be domestic to your locality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because these are expensive and because there's a shortage in ammonia and a lot of the petroleum inputs into farming, um, it looks like we're going to have much higher food prices for the foreseeable future. Okay. And um, this is for the the growing part of it, the vegetables and stuff like that. But when you think about like vegetables and corn and all that sort of stuff, if the inputs to that is high – then what you're typically getting, and this is actually another good point too that uh, I'll, I'll circle it back around to it. The the input to a lot of the, the beef that you're buying at the grocery store is corn. 
Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and if corn is not being produced as readily, there's not going to be as much beef available or the beef will be much more expensive. And sort of the, the, the point or the circle back on that is the difference between cooking this beef and cooking beef that I, the ground beef that I get at the grocery store. So typically when I cook ground beef from the grocery store, I cook it. I, I tilt the saucepan over and then take the beef out and then the, the leftover grease, I'll cook vegetables or something in that. Yeah. This had none of that. I know. I, it's I actually, so lean. I had to, yeah, it's so lean. It's crazy. I had to add olive oil because it, I couldn't cook it like I normally cook it. So I was like, oh crap, I got to add olive oil or else it'll stick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so much more lean. It was crazy how lean it was. Yeah, yeah. And I think and, that's something that, um, you know, and that's good and bad because I like beef fat. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's why I also, that's why I'm excited to hear your your pork source because mm-hmm. I, I, more than beef fat, I like lard. And I like yeah. rent, being able to render out uh, um, lard and store that, and that's what I yeah. generally cook with. But um, but yeah, no, you're to your point. The and I think that's that's a that's a thing with grass fed beef. Is that that's something that I read about? Uh, you know, before when, when I was looking at buying a you know quarter cow, was that it is different from uh, you know, beef that you're going to buy in a, in a store, it is, it is way less fatty. And a lot of times it's a little bit tougher. And that's something that you noted with your cut. Um, that one cut yeah. was that it was a little bit, a little bit tougher. The flavor is incredible, but it is, it's, it's a little bit different. I like it better, but, uh, yeah, yeah. it is, it is, uh, different. And, and yeah, I could not believe, I couldn't believe I was making, uh, tacos and usually, you know, you cook the, you, you render out some of the fat and mm-hmm. pour it out and then you can season it. Um, and, uh, man, I, I didn't pour out any fat. I could, there was like barely any to pour, yeah. <laughs> pour out. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's, that's what we've been running into with the, with the ground beef. It's just like, it's so, it's just a different thing, but it's also, you know, that it's good and bad in that this is probably better for you. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it, it certainly could be, I mean, beef fat is good for you, but I mean, maybe, but it's certainly yeah. higher that this is a higher, uh, ratio of protein. I, I would say, yeah. um, in terms that, of that's, by, yeah. by, by weight. Um, well, but, and the other thing too, is that the, the bags are all, or the vacuum bags are all mm-hmm. labeled. It says that it's grass fed, it's hormone free and it's antibiotic free. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that, I don't know if that's why it tastes good. It, it is just a really good, it's just good. Like, yeah, I don't know how it, else to describe yeah. it. It's just tastes good. Tastes very good. Um, it's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be doing co- tacos here soon too. Yeah. Oh man. It was, yeah, it was perfect. Um, but, uh, and I wanted to get back to your point about like the corn, um, and, and, uh, the ammonia and things like that. I think that it's important to, to, to be a little bit more specific about, or at least where I'm coming from with the localism, uh, aspect of this for me. Yes. I do enjoy the aesthetic idea of localism in each different locality kind of developing its own little flair, whether that be, you know, the flavors of local things, cooking with a pawpaw, for instance, or uh, um, uh, pecans or, or whatever. Um, but really, for me, I don't really care as much if these cows came from, say, Kansas. It's right. Did they come directly to me? And are there other inputs that are necessary for me to receive it? So like the difference between the, the cows, because probably a lot of the cows that get uh, uh, processed in Kansas or North Dakota probably come from Texas. So it's technically, you know, in some sense, you're buying local beef. But I want to sure. cut out, I want to cut out a lot of those middlemen and a lot of those inputs in order to be a little bit more resilient against supply chain attacks. So 
not to say that it's perfect, not to say that it's going to be uh, completely invulnerable, but if you're going straight to a ranch here, particularly a grass fed ranch that doesn't use hormones or antibiotics or things, they're not relying on as many of the items that aren't that, that could become unavailable. You know, they're really just raising cattle on some land and, and then taking that to probably someone they have a relationship with to process and then delivering straight to the consumer. Is it dependent on fuel prices? Yeah. Is it dependent on some other thing for sure? But, um, but cutting out some of those, those possible vulnerable uh, inputs, and middlemen, I think is a really solid idea, particularly if you're developing relationships with these people uh, along the way so that so that you can have a better shot at getting that meat um, in the event that other people kind of figure this out as well. Uh, And and so but but that so this isn't like a for me, at least this isn't some kumbaya lefty localism uh, speech. It's hey. Make sure make sure that you're working to cut out middlemen on some of the more important things to your life, so that you are less vulnerable to supply ch- chain stuff. But also yeah. aesthetically, I do kind of like the the localism vibe because I like to experience the different flavors of different areas. So it is kind yeah. of cool to eat stuff that is DFW. That's that's yeah. from North. It's Texas. the it's the terroir. Of the terroir. Food. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's because you know I do have that sort of like hippie kind of that hippie sort of localism vibe or a lot as well. Um, but it's, you know what it, it's, it, I would say it's probably less of like the, the sort of like hippie support local stuff as it is. Uh, I want an independent Gomez. Yes. And so I kind of feel like that's where I want my money to go yeah. because that's the economy I want to support. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, if, I- and you know, there's a, I was talking to my dad about it because I'm going out to California here in a, in a, a couple of weeks to uh, he's having a surgery, so I'm going to go out there and uh, help him out while he's uh, recovering. But um, I was talking to him a little bit about it, and you know we have uh, the best made pickles here in Texas. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was talking to him about it as I, I I was like he was like hey do you want me to get any food or anything and I was like well what do you have in down there in uh, San Diego that's from Texas. <laughs> and he, he goes, I, I don't know. And I was like, well, what, how about like, cause I eat a lot of pickles. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, speaking of, of, of cucumber eaters. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was like, well, we'll see if your store has like best made pickles because I, I want you to try to get all the Texas made stuff because I'm trying to make sure that the, the Gomez economy is uh, supported. And I said, if it's not Texas, it could be Florida, you know, mm-hmm. Florida, Louisiana, anywhere the live oak, anywhere the live oak grows. Yeah, any, exactly. Anywhere the live oak grows, I'll, I'll be okay with that. And yeah. he he ended up coming back to me. He's like, I'm not looking for that crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but like you know, that's kind of one of those things. Is like it, it's also I'm okay paying a little bit more to try to keep things making sense. And I think this last two years has really, really emphasized this to people that when just in time shipment and just in time production makes sense when it, when it's actually working it's really cool yeah you know you want to when you're building a car you want to when the wheels are ready to go on it you want to turn around and you want the ubs guy delivering yep. to you those wheels mm-hmm. or whatever that's awesome but it when it is no longer working it really freaking sucks yep 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 and it's no. super fragile so there's this book um i read it a couple of years ago actually i think uh i think mr sue recommended it to me okay um 
it's called Anti-Fragile. Have you read that? Oh, yeah, by uh, Nassim Tlaib or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting book, but a lot of those principles kind of go into this. Um, well, kind of go into the Bitcoin thing too, where it's like, yeah, it's really neat to have these complex systems that make things super efficient. And they are really, really efficient when every single link in the chain is working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the problem with those systems that are that complicated is that when one link breaks, everything breaks. Yeah. Yep. Cascading, and, cascading issues. Exactly. Yeah. And and this sort of kind of goes back around to the, the, the Bitcoin thing is that we're experiencing this in uh, fiat currency right now as well, where it's the fiat currency. You can you can inflate this as long as everybody's willing to buy your bullshit. Yeah. And it's getting to a point where they may not be willing to buy your bullshit anymore. And this, this is a problem. Mm hmm. Um, and it's a problem for like every day. And speaking of which, uh, I got an email notification right before we started recording from uh, Start Nine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That my uh, embassy will be here in a couple of days. Oh cool, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty stoked about that because yeah. one of you know that project that I've been working on, I want I want to try to like figure out how to. Integrate yeah, absolutely, this. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that kind of on that same sort of um, venue or whatever is like you want to make sure that you know. This is a good deal because you can probably get beef if you buy it in bulk like this for cheaper than you would get it at the grocery store. Yep. It's also a good idea because once you've sourced this, if it's local, you're probably going to be able to continue to buy this if the national supply chain breaks down. You'll mm-hmm. st- you'll either be prepared because you have stuff in your freezer or you'll know this guy and or this girl or whoever's growing, the, growing this stuff and you'll be able to get it from them because – as we said earlier, the, the issue is not that the cows don't exist and that the cows are not available for you to purchase. The issue is that the processing supply chain is broken and these people here in Texas are desperate to get rid of these cows because they used to be able to just sell them to be finished on the feedlot up in North Dakota. And now they have, you know, we saw this uh, with potatoes and with pork during the, during the lockdowns. Yep. When they're just dumping thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of potatoes or pork into holes and then burying them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're like... Forgot about that, yeah. yeah you remember that? Yeah. It, this was like just a couple months in, I think. Yeah, like, and, like in June. Yeah, weren't they like... Yeah. Weren't they like basically like just shooting pigs like into a ditch yeah. essentially? It's because, because none of those people were prepared to hold the pigs past yeah. that particular amount of time right right and they couldn't get them shipped to the slaughterhouses to be processed and but the same thing was going on in idaho though with potatoes is that they were like we have all these potatoes but we can't ship them out we're not going to just let them rot so we'll just bury them yeah yeah it's an interesting interesting you know it's it's an interesting thing to watch uh to watch the the the, all of these processes take place um but yeah yeah what what you were saying is like developing those relationships developing these relationships locally is is not only good for you but it's also good for them which is then good for you again right you want to do i want the the people that we buy our beef from to be comfortable with the fact that they can raise cattle and sell it in a reasonable amount of time and make a reasonable amount of profit and, you know, 
to us so so that right. they are encouraged you know by market forces to keep doing it and so um i think that's a that's reason enough uh to 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 uh, keep at least a portion of your food buying i i say local but you know just maybe streamlined would be the better the better uh, term you know just direct um as direct as you can uh yeah so that, you know, that's, that's, that's the, it's, it's, it's like the, it's the circular Gomez economy. And then, uh, you know, and then yeah. the other part is that I had a discussion with them about taking Bitcoin uh, when, yeah. when we were here, because I had another fucking payment meltdown uh, where my bank has been decoupled from square or plaid or whatever the thing is that they, that, that uh, is used. So it's just very, you know, just a lot of friction. But, you know, that that's something that I've been thinking about is like if we can develop relationships with these food suppliers and, and they take Bitcoin, man, that really, really solves some problems. Yeah. And if man. we can get them to run a node and yes. lightning. Yep. And then like that's another good thing, too, because that also makes our money more secure. Yes, exactly. So, yep. Uh, and I look, I, I Googled it real quick. Um, do you know how many pounds we got? It's about 70. I think a, no, we got about 175. Oh, 175. So each we got, what, yeah, what is that? 175 divided by two. Yeah. That's uh, 80, about 90 pounds each. Yeah. A little, little less than that. So according to Google, the average American only eats 81 pounds of beef a year. Yeah. Yeah. So we got technically a year's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Which crazy. I think I don't know about I don't know about you. I, I eat way more than that. We yeah, I've gone out of my way to eat more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we we eat way way too much probably. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it's probably better to just eat meat. But me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, we eat a lot of that. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting though that um, that you can kind of develop these local relationships and then same thing like so Victoria is switching jobs and. Um, one of the guys at her old job that she told she was like, Hey, you know, I'm leaving or whatever. And, uh, he was like, Oh, okay, well, I'm sorry to see you go, but, um, you know, let's catch up. And so when she was catching up with him, he, one of his goals was that he wanted to be like a homesteader. He, he might come to Childerberg actually. He's a really cool dude. Nice. Um, and he's got five daughters. Okay. Which is a lot of, a lot of yeah, daughters, a lot of daughters. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but he was saying, you know, I finally got this and he's, he got, he has now a bunch of pigs. So he told us that if, when they're ready for slaughter, if we want to buy pork, that would be a good source. Awesome. Uh, and he goes, I'm not going to like go through all the bullshit to get USDA organic certified and stuff. But he's like, just know they're, you know, they're basically free range pigs. They just kind of run, run around on the property and eat whatever they want to eat. Cool. And, and then I give them, you know, leftovers. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and that's the, that's the other thing is like, it's, it's like one thing leads to another. Right. And so you're having these conversations because you've already had the conversation once. And yeah. I was telling you that I, I was talking about this when I was playing volleyball, just shooting the shit with somebody. And, uh, and we were, we, we had a game off in between in, in games and you know, this guy that I played volleyball with for a year, he was like, Oh, that's awesome. I raise cattle. I have like, he's it's total side hobby. Um, he has like six or seven heads, I think. Um, yeah. but he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, what, how much did you pay for it? And I told him and he's like, Oh dude, I can do about half of that if you, if you want. And, uh, so I was like, Oh shit, dude, like I'll, I'll hit you up next yeah, time. But awesome. Um, yeah, but so you start, you know, you start having these conversations and you're more able to have them in the future and expand your network. And I mean, hell yeah, I want to help this guy uh, out because he's helping me out. And, uh, and yeah. you know, that's that circular Gomez economy right there. 
Right. Exactly. Yep. And get, and, you know, get them into Bitcoin and yep. when they're into Bitcoin, like it, it, uh, you know, it works at, like this guy's already, this guy that Victoria knows already interested in it. He'll accept it as payment. Cool. Um, so like he's, he's a cool dude. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is. It's a sort of circular go mass economy. Like let's keep people in, in here. Like we're, look, it's, I mean, we, we see this already, like, uh, you know, local news or like local go mass news, I guess is, uh, you know, DeSantis says that, that they're withdrawing from OSHA. Yeah, which would be wild. And, it, and like, Florida is clearly the lead on this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but you know, as soon as as soon as Florida is like, okay, we're doing this, it, soon enough, it's going to be Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. Yep. And uh, well, maybe not Louisiana. They're they're kind of like the sticklers yeah, or whatever. Louisiana but, is is a bizarre place. It's yeah. I do I do. I, I don't know what their right. deal is. I think it's probably because they're too French. They're very corrupt. It's very corrupt. Yeah, the yeah. government is incredibly corrupt. They're like Pennsylvania. They like stick out like like all governments are obviously corrupt, but it would when you try to work with them, it's like so greasy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know, it seems like Alabama right now is kind of like whatever Florida does, they're into it. Yeah. And then like, and then governor wheels is sort of like, Oh, they're doing it. Yeah. We're going to do that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It seems like DeSantis has taken the lead. There's, there's been a couple things where, well, Abbott didn't even take the lead on it, but like constitutional carry. I mean, Abbott, I think pretty reluctantly on, well, I mean, he made a show of it, but it was like, he took forever to sign the bill and, and all this. Uh, but did I send you, did I send it to you earlier? Um, Huffines. Yeah. Huffines, what he posted when he said like, it's a good day to own Bitcoin. Uh, Yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 So I I like him. I, I would love to have, yeah, Huffines kind of. Oh, he would be. He, he's got his so kink. much he's, more radical. Oh my god, for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, he's got his kinks because he's a conservative. Like that, that yeah. obviously I disagree with. But I mean, in, in this in this time in in 2021, I would absolutely take that guy. I mean, Abbott, generally speaking, like when compared to you know other governors, has been pretty good. But he's not. He's not yeah. pushing the action. I think Huffines might push the action, which would be cool. Yeah. Plus, yeah, and he. He's a Bitcoiner and um, I guess and uh, and also wants to eliminate property tax. So that would be. Yeah, that'd well, be rad. He's I mean, like it's he does have those hang ups like his border stuff. is Yeah, kind of the, he's the a most nut on the border. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, the other thing, though, about about that is like if you actually like start reading into his stuff is he's also like super pro immigration. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, I want a secure border, but I also want to like open the cap so more people can come in. Yeah. But also, I want them like registered. That's kind of like a like a weird. Yeah. Way to, like it yeah, seems I mean, odd to me, but it's it, also yeah, like, it seems, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get know. it because if that's your worldview, like it's like okay, right? Yeah, I see. And it. and I mean, I he probably and honestly, he, he he wants to get elected, and you're probably yeah. not gonna get like listen, you're probably not gonna get elected in Texas being soft on the border. I I would imagine. I mean, I'm not a political strategist, but um, that's kind of a. That's a, that's a, you know, that's the, one of the drums that everybody beats for votes. You know, that's, that's all that. Is. Yeah, it so. is. But he's also, you know, pro nuclear in yeah, uh, yeah. Texas, which mm-hmm. is good. And <laughs> well, yeah, good I mean, for I, us. Yeah, honestly, he's, he's, I mean, he's a politician, but uh, yeah. he's, if, if there has to be one, he's not the worst option available. I can say that. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it seems almost to, and I didn't realize this until like I started paying a little bit more attention to him. Also, did you know he's like a midget? Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's like 5'2". Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but unrelated to that, <laughs> um, 
I, he, he pointed this out when he was like doing an interview with somebody where, and he was talking about like how basically he'll make a public statement and then Abbott does it like two days later, <laughs> which yeah. when he goes through a bunch of them and like, you go look at his Twitter, you're like, holy crap, you're right. Well, <laughs> it's I mean, like Abbott, Abbott's like, oh, this is the guy who knows about conservatism. Right. If I want to get reelected. This is what I've got to do. Well, right, exactly. I mean, that's all it is, is that this is people like the, the governors in the South are waking up to the fact of what they need to do to get reelected. And that yeah. and, and they are running towards the populist right. And and right. basically Huffines is pushing the action and Abbott and he's forcing Abbott to that towards that, you know, in order to yeah. have a viable reelection, because Abbott still has the fact that he locked the state down for a while under, you know, looming over him. And that's going to come up yeah. in the election. I assume it should. Oh it, yeah, it, it's, it should. And, and you've got, uh, who's that black guy, Alan, Alan, West. Alan West, is it? Yeah. yeah. He like, that's what he hammers on him about yeah. constantly is he's like, no, this guy locked down the state. We could yep. have been, we could have been South Dakota, the only state in the union that had economic growth, Mm-hmm. in 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. and we could have had that but no this guy decided he wanted to lock us down for a bunch of months right yeah and but you know and and desantis sort of has that same thing too like uh florida didn't grow economically yeah uh because they locked down for a month or whatever yeah they did yeah i mean they were the best big state in the union about it but uh but they but at the end of the day he still did and that's something yeah. that like that the right just you know I would encourage them not to forget, you know, it's it, that right. that was bullshit. So, yeah. Yeah. And and I think I now and I do sort of like I get it to some degree like when you're like, well, we don't know exactly what we're dealing with, but but Chrissy Nome, who I also don't like very much mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of different areas, like she had the foresight to say, "Look, I don't know, but also I don't have the authority to do this." Yeah, I remember that was like her thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is a much better view of it. And, and I and I met her briefly when I was at Freedom Fest. Oh, I remember um, you saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you know, the, you know, the kind of meeting that you do when like somebody like shakes your hand or whatever and then yeah. walks away. But like, uh, you know, she had a good a good talk. It was very libertarian. Now, granted, the the whole event was a libertarian event, but it was very boomer libertarian. Yeah. Um, and but it, at the same time. You know, actions actions do matter, and they she do. and she has consistently, even at all, even with the the new stuff where, with the uh, vaccine mandates and all that kind of stuff, she's just continued to be on the forefront of saying no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we're just not we're not doing it. Yeah, and she's got a lot of pushback on it. Like, and uh, you know, South Dakota had a bunch of mudslides a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's like the big criticism people have of her is because she took all these federal funds for the mudslides or whatever. But like, yeah. look, if you're, you know, if you're paying money into the federal coffer, you, yeah, you know, I, I can understand it. But right. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I, I like the idea. I really like South Dakota. I don't want to be there in winter, but I also would kind of like to own property up there to have like a place to bail out. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and they they had a great local economy too. Like they yeah. had a lot of a lot of stuff that was that was, when we were up there in Rapid City, there was a lot of stuff that was from that area. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, man. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But uh, but uh, you know, to the to the to the circular economy point, I think that um, you know, combining our knowledge um, and enthusiasm for Bitcoin and need for food, and then the vice versa 
for food providers in, in the area and, and who may not realize, but probably would want to get in on Bitcoin if they understood it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a promising, uh, you know, development for our food supply robustness and, uh, and hopefully for monetary robustness, because, you know, at the end of the day, the more people in North Texas that, uh, adopt Bitcoin, adopt essentially a Bitcoin standard, the better for us yeah. as well. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, the more, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it builds resilience. It, yeah. like who cares what the federal reserve is doing? Right. It, I don't know if you, if you follow federal reserve news as strongly as I do, but, um, it, it is being rumored at the moment that Powell is out Really, and this this uh, modern monetary theory chick is in. Oh yeah, all right. <laughs> so I mean, from for I mean, I guess if we're accelerationists, yeah, it's a good and thing. I am. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's also kind of like, ooh, that's uh, not a good, not a good sign for you know the 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 United States as a contiguous union or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, staying solvent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we already know that they're not. And then we saw too, you pointed this out and it took me actually a few minutes to, to verify the story, but like Evergrande defaulted, they defaulted on their Asian debt, but there is a, uh, they have an agreement that is like a, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's basically like a cross default. So if they default on their Asian debt, then they, the dollar denominated debt also technically defaults. Okay. So there's, they're supposed to, they have until midnight, I guess, China time, which it may already be midnight China time. I don't know, um, to basically pay those coupons. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they're, they're officially in default. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, they, this has been a, this has been a catastrophe in slow motion. And I would, you know, to, to connect that dot with what I was saying early in the episode where I think a lot of this is going to be a waiting game and a war of attrition. You know, Mm -hmm. people were talking about Evergrande four months ago where it was like, things were just going to fall, like everything was going to unravel. And then yeah, everybody fucking forgot about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, when I was on before, when we talked about it, like January, this actually was something that hit the market. Right. Right. And we, and we, a lot of people were very worried about it. And then again, silence for yeah six months seven yeah. months so yeah and i mean with all of everything that's going on now you say that you you know at your local kroger you, you've seen stuff that's not available i haven't really noticed that at the tom thumb i go to um yeah too much i mean obviously it's not the same as it was but um but you know i mean remember like for as absolutely messed up as everything is goods are still making it to market it's just yeah, they're, they're not, you know, sometimes they're they're higher priced or sometimes you don't have the the, the exact one you want. Um, but, you know, the uh, markets and people's desire to fill demand in order to improve their lot in life is strong, is very strong. Yeah. And so, um, you know, who knows how many corners are getting cut uh, and how many uh, gray market elements are involved in getting beef into the the grocery store. I don't know, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of just like, Hey, we got to do this. And you know, to hell with whatever this latest regulation or restriction is. Um, I know for a fact that people are, uh, are disregarding at least the, you know, let's just say federal masking require or, uh, you know, masking requirements, vaccine requirements. And who knows that, you know, I'm not saying that this is legally enforceable. I don't think it is, but, People are doing what they need to do 
even if it's not exactly above board in order to get goods to market. I think that a lot of people need to remember that, that, um, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, this is 320 million people acting and a lot of them don't give a fuck, um, right. which is really good. That's a really, really healthy thing. Yeah. Um, well, and I guess like sort of a, uh, last white pillar or whatever is I have a lot of family in Northern California and according to them, other than the fact that they just lose electricity all the time, um, <laughs> life is like basically normal up yeah. there. Is it, mm-hmm. Like, cause I was, t- I was talking to him. I was like, you guys got to come down here because like we're basically back to normal. And they're like, well, you know, other than the fact that like we have blackouts all the time, right? everything's which, pretty much normal here. Which that was happening before COVID anyway. Right. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's worse than it is than it yeah. was. Uh, and then I guess I saw that, um, there was like a press release that they're going to, they're going to shut down, uh, Diablo Valley, which is the last nuclear power plant in California, and it supplies sixteen percent of the electricity for the state. Dear Lord, and it's one power plant, <laughs> and they're they're shutting it down because nuclear is bad for whatever reason. But what's funny about it is is PG and E, the company that has a monopoly on California power, yeah, um, they they own two nuclear power plants in Arizona, and all that energy is pumped into California. <laughs> So it's yeah. like, okay, so you're shutting this one down, but you're still getting nuclear power. It's yeah, just not yeah. in California. It's just not in my um, backyard. But yeah, exactly. Not in my backyard. But that's that's sort of the uh what my sisters have been saying is that like up there in the mountains, you know, hill folk, they don't they don't care. Like No. And I- and actually early on, like last November when I was out, I guess it wasn't early on, it was about a year in, but uh or six months in, when I was out there visiting my grandma. We went places without masks and uh, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, it's very much this whole situation is very, very, it's, it's extremely disruptive because a lot of places are having issues, but it's also the, the tyranny portion of it is very, very localized. It it's is, just man. that these like little pockets of tyranny are, are just disrupting everything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, I, and that's, that's, that's again, building, building your, your local network um, is, is really important. And, you know, I, I would bet 95% of the, of America by land, it is completely back to normal. If they even yeah. le- left much of norm, you know, much of the normal anyway, um, you know, it's really just a few places that are that are really bogging this whole thing down. And uh, one of them being D.C. and the media, like scaring the shit out of people. But um, right. but, you know, other than that, it's you know, it, it's pretty I mean, travel around Texas, you're not going to see much of any of the remnants of that, even even in Dallas at this point. I don't think that there's. Yeah, it's I pretty mean, much just government government buildings. Although yeah. although we were boycotting Dallas, but yeah, when we were out there, uh, when they wouldn't let us into the Dallas Botanical Gardens, right, um, or Discovery Gardens, the Botanical yeah. Gardens were. But was it, the Botanical Gardens were cool. The Discovery Gardens, they're being dickheads. Yeah. But, well, uh, well, I think that's. The, but that's that's the that's kind of the flip side. That's the white pill about this whole thing is that I think a lot of people are just cutting out the riffraff and cutting yeah. out the stuff that doesn't work. And you know, for example us cutting out the shipment of uh, live cattle up to North Dakota to finish and, and then be processed and moved in. Well, cut it out. That's it's, it's not, it's not useful for us. We cut it out. We keep things in Texas. We keep things in Gomez and, uh, and that's less riffraff we got to deal with. Um, If you're still enforcing uh, masks and stuff like, all right, 
you're getting cut. You're getting cut out of the the, yeah. the program, and you can uh, you know wallow you know in your own misery. Um, and I, I right. think that this is a tremendous opportunity for uh, for enterprising individuals um, to to really. Uh, make their life a little bit more robust and, and in this case, a little bit more enriching. I mean, it is just really nice having good local Texas beef and, uh, and, and, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to wallow in doom and gloom and have at it. But I think that this is a huge, huge opportunity, particularly when you have the power of a stateless money that you can start to explain to people, like what a sales pitch opportunity, like what a, what a, what a, what a token, um, uh, that you can take to, to, you know, your local beef producer say, Hey, wh- have you seen what the hell is happening with the dollar and what is happening with prices? What if you accepted Bitcoin and you kept Bitcoin? And, you know, and I had this conversation mm-hmm. with them and, and that's, this was before even the most recent uh, inflation numbers came out, but they were both they're you know, they were both very open to it. Um, I need to follow yeah. up with them on it, but, uh, you know, the, the time, the time is now you make your own future, right? Like the, like if you, if you can get a couple the important things, um, the, the important, the goods and services that you absolutely need, if you can get them to take Bitcoin, pff, man, you're, you're, you're in a much better position than you were before. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think we're, you know, I, you and I talk about this, like I go back and forth on it, but like, I think we're closer than like right now. I think we're very, very close. Yeah. Like I think it's, it, and it's going to be one of those things where it just switches over and people go, Oh Yeah. We did use these dollars mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then, but, but for the most part, like, you know how, like a lot of people, th- they'll tell you, they'll be like, oh, well, I missed out on it. I'm not going to get rich or whatever mm-hmm. Bitcoin, but like, if you just switch over and are being paid in Bitcoin, what's the difference? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's just your life is now you're just on Bitcoin mm-hmm. instead of dollars. You kind of have to adjust mentally. Like, you know, I, I still am very uh, frustrated that, I can't pay 25 cents for a can of soda in the machine, but uh, in the future, you'll just kind of have this like mentality that a soda costs X Satoshi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like the same thing as you know that a soda is a dollar or 25 cents for a can. Yeah. And I I think that there's going to be some enterprising companies uh, that uh, ease that friction. And it's probably going to be to the dismay of a lot of Bitcoiners, even though it doesn't freaking matter. But like, I I can just see like Apple basically doing like replacing an Apple pay and, and having it run on lightning network. And then, and they'll be like, Oh, we can just still represent things in dollars and it'll just, it'll just do the conversion on the back end. And, you know, obviously everybody will be in an uproar and, and all the no coiners will be like, Oh my God, Bitcoiners just want Apple, you know, corporations run everything. And Bitcoiners will be like, well, oh, this isn't really Bitcoin, you know, and so it's going to be a whole yeah. debacle. But at the end of the day, it's probably well, going to move, move things forward. What was that one that, that uh, Rollo was talking about? Uh, Moon? That, uh, that Moon, he Moon Wallet? Um, no, I don't remember what it was. It was something Moon, but it's like basically he's got like a card that he can just pre prepay Bitcoin onto and then just use it like a regular credit card. Uh, if that exists, then I want it. I was not aware of that. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll find it and send not, it to you. It's, not it's called Moon something. Okay. Yeah, I definitely um, would like to. I think it's to pay. I think it's paywithmoon.com. Huh. It's a Visa card. It's a, oh. like a Visa card. And then like, I think you can just preload it with Bitcoin. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, look that up. Pay, I think it's paywithmoon.com. Pay with Moon. Yeah, I'll check that out. The uh, only reason I remember that is because I made a joke about, I said, if I click this link, is it going to show me somebody's butt? Because <laughs> it's Moon. So, <laughs> but uh, 
that's the only reason I remembered it, but it was so clearly it's a good name. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it looks like it's for online, which does. So oh, is it only online? It looks like it. I, I'll I'll do some more research on this and and maybe okay. I'll, I'll bring it on the show. Yeah, because I'm I'm starting to really think about it, especially when especially when I get like my nodes set up and everything, and uh, I I think I might start switching just. just yeah, only, me too. To only use Bitcoin. Like, me too. I mean, yeah. It doesn't make a difference. Like it. Like I already, I wouldn't say I'm paycheck to paycheck. Like I do have savings, but like it's pretty close to that. So oh, I'm paycheck. I just paycheck, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's just if it's just that, like, yeah. then why would I? Like, why wouldn't I? Like, yeah, it doesn't fluctuate enough for it to be, make that big of a difference. No, yeah, especially if you have a way to convert it on the fly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really the only hang up for me is I is just the converting on the fly because at the end of the day I still have to spend dollars, especially for work, um, for travel and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, well, so. I guess I guess that yeah, that would probably be that would be, be the big one is when you when you're traveling and stuff. But if, yeah, like if if this if if there's like a prepaid card and I just load it with mm-hmm. a certain amount of money mm-hmm. for like about how much I spend every month, yeah. That seems you're, fine to me. You're good. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I think I, I will probably always keep an account or always, I say, you know, for a, a while, I'll probably always keep an account just for wor- the work side of things. But I mean, I'm probably going to make strides because I, yeah, Rolo moved over completely, I think. And I think I'm probably, that's what you said, yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to try to make strides to, I'll probably have that account for work stuff. Um, and then, uh, but move my personal side essentially, essentially over. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then and encouraging others to do that. But that, that that's that's, you know, we're, we're seeing that. I think people are looking to, you know, the entire world to just realize that dollars aren't worth anything. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. I think it's going to be a ground up thing. And if you can get your local network basically operating on on Bitcoin or at least some decent portion of them, I think that's a huge, huge step. And again, you make your own future. Yeah. So. Um, anything else we want to cover? Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, I, I did get uh, a shipment of local Texas wine from Ricky. So, uh, although it's actually, it's not made with Texas grapes. He hasn't had a harvest yet. It's, Mm. uh, with, uh, grapes from New Mexico. Oh, interesting. Cool. uh, Um, It's very good. How many did you get? Or how many bottles? Uh, a lot. Uh, I think it was, I think it was. I think it's 12 bottles. I think a, cool. I think I got a full 12 bottles, but it was, um, so it was actually kind of a weird situation. I talked about it on our show, which I haven't released yet, but, um, somehow like UPS did like a weird update to the address and oh, they you sent it to this. a place in Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about this. Like, and so, but Ricky being a cool dude, he was like, look, I, I want you to try this because I know you were excited about it. So he sent me a replacement order. Nice. Um, but then also UPS paid him back, which was good. Nice. So, um, so it all kind of worked out, but, um, it is, it's very good. It's all white wine, which I'm not a huge fan of typically, but, um, it's none of it's sparkling, which is my least favorite of sparkling wine, but, (laughs) um, instant heartburn for me. Yeah. That's kind of my issue with it. And also I always feel like really hung over if I drink sparkling wine for some reason. But this was all very good, high quality. It was um, there was some Chardonnay, I think some uh, and Blanc, and something else. But um, he sourced it right there, right on the other side of the border from uh, the Davis Mountains there, down near Marfa. Yeah, made friends with the grower, 
and uh, made a bunch of this, but it, it, you know, he sold out almost immediately, which is awesome. That's great. So, uh, so we're, we're soon going to have a really nice high altitude vineyard in the Marfa area. I really think that's kind of, I, I kind of want to buy some land out there because I think that's going to be like really good grape growing country here soon. Keep and, me in um, the loop on it, that. Yeah, it's it, and it's 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 pretty, but pretty in a different way than like hill country. Mm-hmm. It's it's mountains, yeah, but it's like really deserty mountains. But there's a lot of water there. It's just underground. Oh, gotcha. Well, that's actually that's advantageous in some ways. Yeah, so it's really pretty out there, and it's also the uh, the tulip capital of Tex of Texas. Oh, that's they great. grow tulips out there. That's great, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um. And apparently, great hunting. They've got a lot of those. Uh, yeah, those deer. Um, no, what what are those? Uh, those goats are they called ibex? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, or no, they're called. Uh, I thought aren't they deer, not goats? The pra- well, it's a ax- type of like it's. Isn't it like axis? Well, no, they don't. No, not the axis deer. The axis deer live in like a more green area. I think this. These are like those goats that have the big curly horns. Um, maybe they're just longhorn sheep. Maybe that's what they are. Maybe. I don't know what they are, but there there's a lot of really good hunting out there. They also have a pig problem, as well, everywhere in Texas. Everywhere has. in Texas, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a really it's a, just a different area. It's like it's really it's pretty, but it's really pretty in its own way. And then uh, last year, or the year before, he made a whole bunch of wine out of prickly pear because there were so many prickly pears out there that you could just go out and collect. Cool. Um, and it and he said it was he said it was really good wine. It was like a weird. It's like a, it like once you like ferment it, it's like a weird gelatin texture. So it's like a, hmm. it's like almost like aloe vera or something like that. Oh, okay. It's, a, it's like a weird, it's weird, he said, but it was good, but it was like this bright neon pink. <laughs> and so he says, like, it's a really strange drink, but also kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, so there's that out there and um, just a cool, a, a cool part of Texas. So if anybody ever, gets a chance to go out there. I think that he and his wife are going to at some point have like a, um, it's, I think it's in uh, Fort Davis is, is their, uh, winery. Yeah. I think they bought it. I think they have like a steel building up there and you can go out. I don't know if they have any like tastings or anything yet, but it's a, it's a cool, a really cool part of Texas. Really great. Just a great down to earth kind of middle of nowhere type of place. But, uh, I loved it when I was out there. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that might be, that might be kind of a, maybe like a Childeberg town, exclave or something like that okay yeah, all right like exert like a bedroom community of childerberg town or something yeah 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 like we got childerberg town and hill country but then like if you if you want to like go take a, a hunting vacation or something like yeah. that in the desert that's that's the place to go love it love it yeah have you talked have you talked with him at all about taking bitcoin no i haven't that's a good idea i should i should talk to him and he, he i bet she'd be up to it he's he's younger than us so he's oh, okay. uh and he's from uh the Bay Area. Oh so yeah, he, I'm he's, sure. He kind of knows about this kind of thing. Cool, very cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think in summary, you know, start reaching out for the, you know, start reaching out to your local community uh, for for food options. Get them to take Bitcoin. Start uh, building that circular economy and start insulating yourself from some of the madness that's going on internationally or nationally as well. Um, and uh, you know, create create your own future. Don't be don't live at the whims of of these creepos. Exactly. All right. Anything else? Uh, plugs, Jake. Uh, just check out uh, Tasting Anarchy on uh, all the podcast, all the podcatchers, and uh, Childeberg should I should have reservations up uh, 
early next month. So awesome. check out Childerberg.com. Uh, we should have uh, campsite reservations up pretty soon. And for and for everybody that has been the following two or the the previous three years, I th- you're doing it a little bit different this year. You, yeah. We're asking for a small payment up front just to cover some of Jake's expenses because he's out a bunch of money throughout the year. Not that he doesn't get paid back, but it's just kind of like a needless stress. Yeah. And we're not asking for, I don't think you're asking for, what is it like 20 bucks to reserve? Yeah. I think, I think that we're doing uh 20 bucks for the weekend to reserve a camp space, but yeah. it's still free if you're not, if you're not camping with us. Sure. You yeah. yeah. Come down and hang yep. out. It's still, it's, it's whatever. So it's free, but um, if you're camping, yeah, I think we're, I think 20, I think it's going to be, I'll, I'll, I'll finalize it. I think I calculated that. I think it's like 20 bucks for early bird. And then we might raise it $5 uh, cool. if you're late or yeah, $10 yeah, yeah. or something. Just something to get you on the books and get Jake not to be in the hole until, you know, June or May or whenever, whenever right. it is. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's going to help a lot. I think with, uh, with the music and comedy too, because that's, sure. uh, that was kind of expensive last year. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously we made the money back. It was great. We raised a ton of money for free Ross, but as always, anytime, anything that is over the cost goes to free Ross. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think we're going to, I think we're gonna do really good this year. I think, I think gonna, so too. I think we're gonna have, you know, 400 people or something. Oh dude, I think we're gonna have a lot. Plus we have all the, we have all that space and you got the land use permit, yep. uh, uh, through, right? That's right. Yeah. I got the land use permit already. Uh, and we're, we're going to probably have that entire side of the campground. That's going to be ourselves. badass, man. Yeah. Yeah, oh man, cool. I'm looking forward to it. That's gonna be great. Um, okay, right. well, uh, I think that's that's all I got. Uh, look out for another episode of the Signal next month. I'm gonna try and get back on track. I think I'm still on track for 12 this year, though, because uh, I came out with a few on the first day. Uh, but yeah, until then, let's get it.